0: Welcome back to AxeView. This is episode two, where we're discussing the global slowdown in the economy when some countries are still growing positively, many are. Uh, and while some criticize the U.S. as slowly growing, we're still leading the path, uh, the pack, against most of our peer countries. So we want to delve into is this the new norm for growth in developed nations? and why the U.S. is doing better than our peers like the United Kingdom and other countries, and even the socialist countries like Norway and Denmark. So what can we do better or what are we doing wrong? And to help me bring this conversation uh, to some solutions or maybe some figuring out the causes, I'm having today join me uh, Brandon Crofton, who is a future bachelor's degree in economics, Uh, along with me so he's going to help me out today hello Brandon
1: hello Tim
0: so why do you think the U.S. is growing faster than the mixed economies like the United Kingdom and also the socialist countries even like Norway Denmark Finland all those countries have slower or Lower GDP growth rates right now. So I think that's kind of
1: a difficult question, of course, because that's the main question we're asking today. Um, but you know, we, we we kind of have to look at a couple of things. We have to, in order to get down to this, we have to ask ourselves more questions. One big one, for example, is is looking at parts of our economy, and you know, what parts of our economy are contributing the most growth? Where, how, more so, what? are hmm, what are these exact parts what are they doing to help our economy and um, how can we help these parts of our economy grow for example um, the United States has a very big comparative advantage in technology and in financial services so is this a major factor in determining why we're doing so well as we are right now Um, and if so what can we ultimately do to make these industries Stronger within the United States and continue to hold our
0: comparative advantage in them. So, do you think there are some industries within the U.S. that are holding us back? Even because, obviously, you see the only countries that are ahead of us in GDP growth are really the developing countries right now. We right. can't even compare ourselves to India to China because they're they're starting mm-hmm. from a much more recent point than we are. We're a couple hundred years old. Obviously, China's thousands of year years old, but they're only recently opened up to the global economy. So why? what is holding us back, do you think, from reaching our normal growth rates of pre-1980s, of three, four, six percent? I mean, even in the 80s, we hit six percent at one point. So can we achieve those again, or do you think this is the new norm? Um, nice reference
1: of the Wall Street Journal article we discussed. Um, I think that in that article, you know, it kind of discussed where how in the 1980s we were at a certain growth rate, and then after the dot com bubble, we were at an even lower growth rate. Growth rate, Well, not so much growth rate, it was looking at interest rates, if I remember correctly, the graph. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was talking about how our interest rates were so high during the 80s, uh, I think at like 2% in the 80s, and the, after the post recession, and then post. Uh, Post dot com bubble, bubble. It was around I think one percent, and now we're significantly less than one percent. So, and it's not we're not an isolated case. As we said, there are other countries that are also doing, uh, you know, in the same realm as us.
0: Um, So, do do you have you seen the data on if other countries have as low interest rates right now? Do they have higher interest rates? What is the interest rate difference?
1: Well, I mean, there are some countries in Europe and like in Japan as well that are issuing negative interest rates because they don't want people to be uh buying up the government's debt they want to have as much money in the economy as possible and it's an interesting way it's an interesting thought like on how to spur growth um fun fact about it people are still actually putting money in government debt in these countries because it's safe and the whole idea i think there's been a narrative very much presented very much i like could very potentially be true about um, uncertainty of the future, and you know, people are so scared, so scarred from the last recession that we don't necessarily know, uh, you know, if we're ever going. The match with the growth rates right now, um, you know, we don't know if they're ever going to return. Uh, and to what extent is it like a feedback loop? You know, people see uncertainty, so they act like they act, they save money, they act as if another recession is going to come.
0: When in reality, they need to be spending money Um, because consumption is 60% of GDP. Right. right. Uh, Can you explain to listeners what interest rates are exactly? What nominal rates are? What real rates are? What real even means? What do I mean by that? Like what? Because we want our listeners to be of all sorts of education levels, of all sorts of economic uh, proficiency. Right. So what is an interest rate?
1: Right. You're taking me back to intro to micro. so I think there's been a lot of different definitions of interest rates, but I guess the simplest way to explain it is that, um, well, like in what context? In debt or the...
0: Uh, like when the, the Federal Reserve sets an interest rate, what does that affect and how does that... Okay. What does that mean for growth or what in theory should that do to growth? All right.
1: Um, so the whole idea behind it, well, when you... an interest rate, let's like talk about it in, the, in terms of debt first. So... Um, when the Fed issues a bond um, and it wants to sell this bond to the people uh, it will set a certain rate which is a return on investment so let's say you bought a $1,000 bond and it had a 10% return um, for the, a year's time so then when you hold, after holding, you buy that bond on day one and after 10 years of holding the bond you end up um, with an extra one hundred dollars
0: because that's ten percent of the initial one thousand dollar investment. So, uh, and by bond, by bond, you mean you're you're buying this IOU in a sense, you, right, right? Allowing the government or someone else, maybe a private, right. borrower, to use your money on that interest. Right.
1: Thank you for jumping in on that.
0: Um, and so the federal <laughs> the Federal Reserve is our national bank. Right. So they manage government debt. Right. correct so they're issuing bonds to allow the government to free up some of that debt or to get its hands on some money in a sense so yeah. the Federal Reserve is who manages the debt and who sets the interest rates correct
1: right and by setting um, a higher interest rate that would incentivize people to buy more bonds because they can increase their savings return but if they but if the Federal Reserve ends up lowering the interest rate you end up with um, with you know, everyday Americans or whoever's buying the debt, they get a lesser return. So that disincentivizes them from buying a bond and instead would want them to put their money out in the economy
0: by spending it. Um, so instead of, so low interest rates in theory mean that you wouldn't be putting your money in buying debt. Right. You would be putting it into the economy. Right. right? Let, for example, maybe into a mortgage, which. Right is influenced by mortgage rates or by interest rates. Exactly.
1: So a lower interest rate would mean a lower mortgage, a lower federal interest rate would mean a lower mortgage interest rate. Um,
0: And and that would incentivize... Right. People
1: to go out and buy a home, spend money on construction. I mean, that's a long-term investment, um, which is slightly different than the everyday consumption that we want to be thinking about, Um, I think, in, uh, in economic growth. But uh, it's definitely an important part of the economy and it's definitely something that you know a majority of people end up going through It's you know end up having to purchase at some point in their lives.
0: So do you think low interest rates? Influence everyday borrowing in any way or uh, in, in Everyday consumption in any way.
1: Uh, I think so because when you know when someone gets a paycheck at the end of their month They have to decide how much money am I going to be saving right now um, and if there's a higher interest rate and they could be making more money off their savings, they're definitely going to save maybe a hundred, $200 more at the end of the month if they're able to.
0: By putting it a where? Like By putting it
1: their... maybe into even a savings account. They're not necessarily buying bonds or they're not, they might, they might just be a, you know, the average person that, um, you know, putting in a savings account, they might,
0: they don't have to be some person who understands how the stock market works. They but just, have... are savings accounts even realistic anymore since... Their return is what, point zero 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 one percent or something like that. I
1: mean, I think the idea behind a savings account is that it's safe. Um, like you could invest your money in a, you know, a, a mutual fund or like an ETF that tracks the market. What is an market. ETF? Okay, so <laughs> an, ET, um, an ETF is an exchange-traded fund, which is basically uh, you will have a, you have some sort of large financial institution um, put together a grouping of stocks that uh that or like an investment portfolio essentially that tracks a um that tracks a certain market so uh or like or an exchange fund or, i don't know why the words are escaping me <laughs> right now but like for example the major benchmark for us economic performance aside from like gdp is the s&p 500 and that's a measure of the top 500 um, the what is it, the largest 500 companies? Yeah, I
0: believe by um, market cap. I yeah, think by total mar- value. Yeah,
1: so it tracks. So, um, you can invest your money into an exchange traded fund and in, into an ETF that would track the S and P 500 and allow for you to get the returns that the U S stock market ends up seeing. Um, of course, and the benefit of these funds is you don't have to have all the money necessary. To buy one of each, like one share of each company, you could just invest it in the fund, and then the financial institution that issued this ETF would take care of it for you.
0: So now, this is fiscal policy, correct? This yeah, is, I think we're is, jumping all over. Or, the or no, this this point. is <laughs> sorry, this is called this is monetary policy. I'm yeah, sorry. we went from mon- yeah, right. monetary right. So monetary policies with these interest rates right. deals with this, but now if we look at the U.S. and the average U.S. Uh, citizen. Mm-hmm. Their median income in a household is right. $50,000. We mm-hmm. know that most people do not even have the, the opportunity to save mm-hmm. because the cost of education, the cost of healthcare, the cost of transportation, mm-hmm. what have you, is so expensive that most Americans are sadly living paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. So in knowing that, do interest rates really have the effect that they could? if? If most Americans don't have the ability to be investing on the stock market or putting things into savings accounts even, do interest rates really affect the economy? Ooh, that's a tough one. Like, Um, does it have the amount of clout that it should, in theory, if most people aren't even considering things like borrowing or, you know, buying up debt or... uh, Well,
1: that wouldn't... I don't think it... Uh, when the government changes interest rates that doesn't influence credit card debt does it it it, it, it affects it affects loans but um, huh, that's a very good question I could see I mean like because we're like what we're taught when we're taught economics you know and monetary policy it's just like they change the interest rates this is fact right. so I'm curious to see like how it ultimately ends up going because I guess another way to look at it is you know a lot of do how many Americans have pensions or some sort of yeah. I mean a pensions um 401k or some sort of like investment plan where right. you know the company takes some of their money from their paycheck. Um and I don't, that would be I don't affected know. by yeah. interest rates. But also think about it another way. You have a very you have a lot of the 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 people who grew up in the baby you know the baby boomers. They're all, you know, coming of retirement age at the moment. So there's been a massive increase in the need for financial advisors and wealth managers because these people have, they already have a sizable amount of money um, saved up from all their years in the workforce and they need somebody to manage it. And these people are going to, these are people who are going to be heavily affected by interest rates, um, both in the short run and the long run, depending on where they are exactly in their retirement process. Because, you know, their, their money is being moved uh, from riskier stocks that, from riskier stocks to, but over to bonds which have you know it's safer and have a um, a fixed return
0: so we see interest rates affecting at least people who are going to buy homes right who are maybe getting student debt student oh loans, yeah that's another correct. big
1: that's a huge that's one that we didn't effective. even touch on yeah. and
0: then people who have 401ks or anything on the stock market right um, so it is still affecting large decisions mm-hmm. but um the everyday decisions might not be as affected by interest right. rates
1: i agree i completely agree but the point that i was trying to make much earlier about everyday decisions is it kind of starts when you get your paycheck right. if you have to pay a higher interest rate for whatever reason um what, what, what am i saying if you have like um like if you have debt and you're paying off you know a larger proportion of your money because of debt um like a student loan, if you have to pay an extra $500, that's $500 that you can't pay in the economy that you can't put out there, buy something, and you know help create
0: growth. So now, all large companies that maybe do have the ability to right. save and spend right now, uh, that do have more money on hand than the average American, are how do interest rates affect them? Like How, how would interest rates affect these giant companies whether to invest in new uh, opportunities or not?
1: Yeah, so... Um, I guess uh, what would be a great a good, this would be a good opportunity to explain like what investment banking is, um, and that's essentially just you have these banks like Morgan Stanley, Barclays, J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, and they all have an investment banking division that their sole function is to, I guess in a in a sense help companies grow, and the way that they do that is by uh, so one one very big. Area in investment banking is mergers and acquisitions. So you will have one company, um, an acquirer, want to acquire a target company. And when the acquirer wants to acquire the target company, they have to you know, have some sort of capital to do so. So they're going to raise money either through equity or through debt. Um, and uh, when, like when a company wants to raise money through debt, interest rates are obviously going to affect um, the incentive or the ability for them to raise money in that method. Um, for just in recent months, the, uh, uh, what was it? Corporate bonds haven't been performing nearly as well because uh, they don't have the same return the corporate equities might have. So it's, you know, one of those incentive things where it might be more difficult for a company to raise money. Um, you know, if they have, you know, factors going for them, like the riskiness of the, Uh, the venture that they want to undertake whether it be acquiring a new company investing in a new in creating a new um, like branch or a new um, even a new like division to uh, jump into something completely new
0: so if the fed raises interest rates you Mm -hmm. you know this fall right uh, maybe even by a quarter percent Mm -hmm. how will that affect uh, businesses investing will that encourage them to spend more or borrow more um
1: it i think it will make them it'll make it easier for them to um to uh, i think it will definitely be easier for them to raise that money because they'll have more um what's it called they'll be higher interest rates
0: on There'll those be, bonds people now. will yeah. want to borrow People will their... want to
1: borrow those bonds but it's i think quite, like, i'm not an investment professional so obviously i don't you know yeah. i can't I don't track that stuff,
0: but but generally, higher interest rates mean slower growth. Yes. Technically, right? yeah, uh, in, at least yeah. in theory.
1: In terms of the economy, it would mean slower growth. But I think it would be,
0: it, it's one of those like because people aren't yeah. spending. Yeah, it's right? one. They of would those, be rather putting their money in these these. Uh, yeah, investing in the or, money in these com-
1: in these companies, but also you have to think about it this way: companies might end up they'd be paying a higher they'd be paying a higher interest rate so they would be giving their investors these people who bought the bonds even more money um so they might it's kind of like a balancing act like if you talk about the economy as a whole there's always been the argument of like who helps the economy grow is it consumers is it producers is it you know investors yeah is it investors like who helps the economy grow and i think that we think too much of like oh it's no it's you know it's it's investors or it's all consumers, but I, it's more of a balancing game than that. Right. Because it's walking the equilibrium and seeing and seeing like, oh, if we go too much one way, you know, what's going to happen? If we go too much the other way, what's going to happen? Then? And
0: that kind of brings up Japan, as you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. which is in negative interest rates right, right. now, which means they people are actually like gaining more mm-hmm. money when they when they borrow, right? They're they're, they're,
1: they're paying the government to to buy those bonds, right. So it's it's like if you bought if you bought a $1,000 bond and you were paying 1% and it was, you know, negative 1% interest rates, um every time that, you know, a period would end, you would be paying the Japanese government $10 um to hold that debt, which you know, it, it's it's it sounds like a bad deal. Um so to like, use
0: Trump's words. Of <laughs> so, so like if we were at 0% Mm-hmm. That means it's all even. really. Yeah,
1: that means you'd actually you would also be losing money in that case. in that. Because of, of inflation. Yeah, well, even, if, if real, if interest. real. Inflation. Yeah,
0: right. And so, well, this makes me a, a quick segue or a quick uh, yeah. additive. Like, what is inflation? So right. um, as an economy grows, if it grows uh, and puts pressure on companies, uh, right. that's called a what, productive capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that causes companies to have to raise prices on goods, right? Because mm-hmm. they can't. If demand is, if consumer demand for goods is too strong, mm-hmm. companies cannot produce right. quick enough. So they have to try to slow that demand by raising prices, and those prices hardly ever come down again, correct? Mm-hmm. They just keep going up, and that's why maybe you see gasoline is never going to cost a dime again. Right? It's, gonna, it's always going to be right. at, at least a dollar fifty or something right. like that, because Even right now, we're in obviously very low gas prices, but we've seen gas up to $4 a gallon. So the prices do, well, oil is hard because it's so volatile. It's always flexing around. But other services like clothing or something like that is never going to get extremely cheaper than it is today. It's always going to get a little more pricey because hopefully wages and incomes increase Mm -hmm. along with that.
1: Have you looked at Legos? Have you seen the price of a Lego recently? Like I remember when we were kids, like Lego, there would be like maybe an eight dollar Lego set. That stuff's like twenty dollars today. Right,
0: and That's so absurd. hopefully you hope for <laughs> incomes to match that. Right, so things will uh, match that, and so how that relates to interest rates is that if an if the Federal Reserve that bank sets nominal interest rates, they come mm-hmm. out and say uh, interest rates are three percent but inflation the the average cost of goods in the economy is grow is increasing at 2% mm-hmm. this this year. Right. That real rate then mm-hmm. is 1%. Right. Right cuz so you have to kind of get minus off that inflation. Yeah. So the overall real rate is 1%. Right. So right now we're looking at inflation around 2% and nominal rates are what? Nominal interest rates I um, think. I think the the not the real interest rate is around point two yeah, 0. 25 0. five five yeah point two five to point five right so it's at least so it's positive in the real sense. So right. we have some interest rates right now whereas that's how you get negative interest rates in Japan is because their interest rates are zero but maybe they're deflating or something that's causing mm-hmm. that negative real interest mm-hmm. rate. So if we're at zero percent or very low very near zero percent and the fed might want to raise it this quarter mm-hmm. which is the prediction what can we do to spur more growth like if if they raise it. it well if they raise it will that slow down the economy when we're not even growing that quickly uh, or should we be sticking where we are or you know if if we lower it mm-hmm. which no one is really talking about will that help growth whereas we've been Mm -hmm. sitting at zero percent all along and maybe if there starts to be lower inflation rates if that goes negative like what can we do in monetary policy to help growth? so i kind of want to bring it back to something
1: that we talked earlier though i mentioned or we mentioned briefly earlier about expectations and it's very important to note that when we talk about um, you know, Fed the Fed's policy. Not only do they set the interest rate, they also set an inflation benchmark. Uh, the inflation benchmark has been at two percent for several years now, and the main reason why they set that inflation benchmark is because they, it's important for people who are investing in an economy to know how the economy is going to do. If there's uncertainty in the future, people are going to be hesitant to invest money and place their money in that. Investment, so uh, by setting this benchmark, uh, you know it creates a sort of confidence in investors, and it creates a confidence that our economy
0: is going to be at this point in the future, and that people should be investing in it. So, how does that relate to what? What should we do with setting the interest rate? Like, should we be keeping it where it is? If we raise it this quarter, mm-hmm. will that scare off? Consumers from spending money will that h- encourage more investment in maybe mortgages, maybe yeah. uh, stocks, maybe four hundred and one ks. Will people instead start saving in that sense, and will that then slow down GDP growth rates?
1: So the short question is, you know, we don't really know. That's right. the that's the best answer because when gas prices ended up going down, we expected, you know, we as in, you know, people who study economics. We thought that um, we had, you know, the belief was held that uh, people were going to spend the money, but in reality, people ended up saving it. They saved all that money, and that's, you know, we can't predict exactly what consumers are going to do with their money, but um, we we do have some, you know, historical evidence that helps us suggest of, you know, what people ultimately do. Um, for example, there's the, you know, people. T- people when they look at the 2008 recession they're afraid of that happening again so you know they're going they might end up
0: increasing their savings in this time uh, maybe not of, even investing it they're yeah not, not even investing it yeah, kind they, of like Putting your money under the bed.
1: Exactly, instead. exactly. Like, they don't necessarily even have to be putting in a savings account. They might even have, like,
0: just cash, like, literal cash stored under their bed. They <laughs> um, could, and that's harming <laughs> the economy because it's neither right. being invested or being saved in that right. sense or being spent. Exactly. And I think that might tie into, like, there's a, what, I think, 40, 50-year low on the home ownership rate. Is and so right? yeah, no. yeah, and so, like, homeownership... Expanded for decades and decades, and then it started to fall uh, right. in the 2000s before right. Obama before the crash even um, But it was right before the crash and uh, And so it's gone on the decline ever since and maybe that's because people don't have enough money on right. hand right now to put a down payment Maybe that's because they are afraid of putting right. you know their money into something that literally caused 2008 it's, right the housing crashes right so if people are afraid to lose their house in a mortgage right then that makes interest rates even more irrelevant because yeah. there's no interest rates on rent you pay your rent every month it's right, right. you're but with a mortgage rate, you do or you with a mortgage you are paying an interest rate mm-hmm. so maybe since homeownership is down maybe monetary policy is largely irrelevant right and or <clears> or it's not as important as it has been in previous to decades consumers. Yeah.
1: yeah that's a that's a very interesting interesting concept um like we, with regards to the whole um you know home ownership being at all being at 40 50 or low um renting does provide some sort of like personal liquidity in that you know you you don't buy a house and you're not stuck to this house like if you bought a house for $500,000 and you hit a recession and the value of that house just gets cut in half um you've got to stick with that house until you, can, you you almost have to stick with that house until you can get you know, about yeah, you know break get about the break even price and when you're renting you know you might sign a one two year lease so it's like if you get stuck in dire straits during a recession like you know you can't afford to pay maybe you know a thousand dollars a month on rent um in a couple of months you'll be able to get a
0: cheaper apartment and that's you know and it's that if it's consumer like for the future consumers aren't gaining anything in equity because if they're just renting right. they're, they're throwing their money at rent and maybe that's rationally mm-hmm. safe right now because we're so afraid of what happened in 2008 right. But then again, if, if home prices rise, which they are a little bit right now, mm-hmm. then those people that could be owning homes but are renting are not gaining any of uh, that, that, uh, that mm-hmm. equity from inflation right. because home prices have been historically known as a very safe investment because mm-hmm. if, you, if you are able to sit on a house without foreclosing on it, then mm-hmm. in 30 years or even much sooner, you're going to gain so much value. Because especially before 2008, Mm -hmm. when home prices were increasing 10%, whatever Mm -hmm. they were, then people could sell and make so much money. Mm -hmm. And so that would put more money in consumers' pockets and be able to go out and spend it on the economy, buy a nicer home, Mm -hmm. uh, and get more money flowing. Uh, And that's just not happening right now. So maybe that's also causing some sort of slowdown is that yeah. Uh, also, then those banks aren't getting that money from mortgages that there's maybe an investment slowdown because of that, that banks are getting the, the revenue from right. mortgages. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I haven't seen all the data on this, but right. uh, it sounds reasonable to conclude that rational consumers are doing this. And that's possibly this that sometimes can't be explained by the data is this consumer fear that which is also though interesting because consumer confidence there's an actual data there's Mm -hmm. actual surveys that ask are you confident in the economy growing that's high right now it's relatively high so like people are spending but people think the economy will keep growing but where is this mismatch why Mm -hmm. like but then we bring it back to the original question is if, well, 2008 wasn't, wasn't just us. 2008 was a global crisis. All developed economies felt this. So if the other economies aren't growing fast enough, and maybe consumer confidence is low in other countries, lower than what we have here, maybe that's affecting us. Because uh, if our economy is doing stronger, then we're being held back by the other countries. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like we're all in this together maybe an all ships sink together instead of all ships rise together and so the interesting thing is like how do we stimulate it back to normal or are we just going to have to sit it to three percent growth rates forever maybe that's what it is like this isn't bad but it's not as wonderful as the 1950s let's Mm -hmm. say in 1960s where things were growing so quickly and incomes were growing so quickly that it, sound, it felt like happy days. Whereas that's not the case anymore. Right. So, it, it's interesting that like um, especially conservatives but even economy, non-partisan economists maybe criticize President Obama or the government as a whole for this slow economy. This, this is the the slowest recovery since World War II's recovery. Um, well, yeah. but They've
1: all been getting slower right. each time. Like, <laughs> it's kind of like a
0: non-point, you know? Right. Like, like even the George Bush <clears throat> recovery, which was post-2001, because there was that post-9-11 recession. Yeah. There the was doc- a there was the dot-com bubble. Right. Um, and it was it was thanks to the dot-com bubble bursting, and it was thanks to terrorism kind of had a slowdown on uh, the economy. Um So that was called even the uh, jobless recovery. That somehow GDP was growing, but unemployment was still high. So yeah, we're (laughs) seeing that this is not like a new thing. That there's a longer trend here of slower recoveries. That when World War II happened, that that recovery was so extremely strong. I mean these, but that isn't happening anymore, and it hasn't been happening for a while. So. Maybe it's not President Obama to blame. Maybe it's not the Republican Congress to blame. But because the whole globe is feeling it. Mm-hmm. But we're doing better than all the other countries mm-hmm. in, in our peer group. So maybe we're doing something right. Mm-hmm. But, but could the, we be doing things better? Right. Could we be doing things better? And there, there's the criticism that maybe we would be doing even better if we had spent more money post recession if like because while we just discussed monetary policy the fiscal policy is also important those are the two things that we think relative, largely affect economic growth the the Federal Reserve affecting interest rates and the the government spending money on investing in uh, roads and bridges and uh, lowering Healthcare costs, and uh, that the the interesting debate is that government spending causes debt, and we don't want debt. That everyone criticizes the government for the past couple decades uh, for having large deficits. Obviously, there was a small happy period in the 1990s under uh, President Clinton that had positive deficits, or that doesn't even make sense. It's a- Surpluses. We were actually saving, we were actually making money as a government. So yes, there's the, this criticism that we don't want debt, but does debt have an immediate uh, effect on the economy? If Do businesses, do consumers not spend, not invest if the government has large deficits? Or is this more of a long-term problem? Like um, when we borrow, we have to pay interest on that debt. So much of our debt is to private U.S. citizens like buying government bonds. But it's also China. Like everyone says, you know, China has so much U.S. debt and has so much leverage over us. But like, that's a problem because the more debt we have, the more interest we have to pay. And I think government interest on our debt is already like 15 percent of our government budget every year. So like 15% of all in government revenue around there is going to paying our interest on the debt. So I think that might be the long-term problem is that we can't spend on anything else if we're just paying interest. Um, and so, but does it have a short-term problem? Is like if we spend money today on infrastructure and other government programs, will that Help growth today, but maybe harm growth in the future, or maybe we'll make up some of that. In a stronger economy, will result in higher revenue because the more pe- money people make, the more they're paying in taxes.
1: Well, I just want to start off the uh, answer that question a negative of this debt. Um, seeing the 14 billion dollars of debt, a trillion dollars, sorry, 14 trillion dollars of debt, it's a daunting figure, and it's you know it's something that I think it's higher. I don't it know. might it's, be. Is I it 17 trillion? I think it's 17. Okay. So, Regardless, even on, yeah, it just helps uh, enforce the point that, uh, you know, people are scared of that. And people, they see that and, you know, people tell them, oh, it's a bad thing. Um, you know, it, it, it creates a negative feel, you know, sentiment among people of the country. Um, to kind of refute some of the worries about that, our GDP, it's right around, the, the amount of debt that we
0: have is right around where our national GDP is. Um, GDP is our total value yeah. of all goods produced in the economy. Yes. Thank right. you. Thank you. Yeah. Too. <laughs> Economic um, vocab.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, thank you for checking me on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that the fact that those two figures are very equal, is it's not the worst thing in the world, according to many economists. Um, but in terms of your question about short-term growth um, or versus long-term growth or benefits and negatives... Um, a lot of people say that if a company isn't issuing debt, if they're not borrowing money, and they're not growing, like there's no point for that company to be, you know, existing where they are. You gotta be, you have to be constantly um, growing, innovating, and it's kind, it's sort of similar with the government. Obviously, when a government is, there's, it doesn't need to be profitable, uh, as it's
0: a government is, doesn't go out of business when it, right. when it's losing <clears throat> money. Right,
1: here. and um, that's an important thing to note. Uh, people are so confident in the strength of the U.S. bond that you know, it's, it's a blessing to us. The, people are so confident in the U.S. financial system that um, you know, we almost have this constant inflow of money. People are always willing to buy U.S. debt. So it's never going to be a problem whether or not we can raise money. It's just how much money do we raise. And there's been – when we talk about interest rates – um, even on a I, just, I read an article a couple of weeks ago about on the municipal level and on the, you know, the city level the state level cities and states aren't taking advantage of these low interest rates for um, you know funding new infrastructure projects and a lot of people say oh you know infrastructure is not profitable but it creates jobs in the short run mm-hmm. um, it creates a long standing it's a long standing investment in American infrastructure and you know, it is infrastructure so yeah, it's gonna be there a very long time. It's gonna be used by you know, hundreds or thousands or millions of people every single, you know, every single month, and you know, the the amount of money and the commerce that just transfers over our infra uh, over this new infrastructure could you know, that's well, that's the, a benefit in and of itself.
0: I think the more easily people can travel right to and from work helps productivity. If I can get Go to ahead. work quicker. Then I can spend more time at work and maybe make more money.
1: And people, you know, a lot of people are just using New York City as an example. A lot of people be like, oh, you know, New York City, it's, it's one thing. But it can take about the same time to get from, you know, an outer part of Queens to Manhattan, maybe even longer than it takes to get from the suburbs, which is just, you know, it's not a an efficient use of the labor force and i'm sure that there are many cities like this because as you know we've grown as you know humans have grown over the past 50 years and society has changed so much we <clears throat> so you know we have to adapt and i don't think that our infrastructure has adapted to that And obviously, I think it's like a hot, a hot button issue,
0: which is weird for infrastructure. But this election, (laughs) yeah, both both candidates are saying we should invest in infrastructure, which is
1: interesting because, like, you know, it's not, it's not a sexy thing to talk about. Right, Um, it's a lot of gray.
0: (laughs) It is the one issue that is called never sexy. Yeah, All, all politicians will say that it's an interesting. Adjective, but it's true. Yeah, everyone calls infrastructure not sexy, right? But it might be a key to Growing the economy because if we put construction workers to work Obviously that job won't last forever But if they get money in their (laughs) pockets, then they can go out and spend it There's that there's that whole theory about the velocity of money that the more money we put in the middle class's pockets if they're living paycheck to paycheck, then any extra dollar they get, it's going to be spent. Marginal propensity to consume. Exactly. So this marginal propensity to consume that, that, that bet that the, the next dollar you get is almost certain to be spent because a poor person or even a middle class person, they're going to go out and spend that, that tax rebate or that wage increase. And that's going to go right into the economy and go in a cycle and cause economic growth because right. that that increasing consumer demand means it puts stress on companies, which companies then have to hire more workers, which causes more people to have money in their pockets. Right. And there's that economic growth cycle. Mm-hmm. So this government spending is almost like interest rates. It's a balance that mm-hmm. long term wise, we're going to have to pay interest on the debt. Uh, and that might take the place of other government investment. But short term, it might fund infrastructure, which causes economic growth. Or, uh, you know, if we programs like Obamacare, which hopefully ensures more people, hopefully lowers their health care costs, then they can go out and spend money elsewhere right. Right, in the economy. And um, we can evaluate those other programs at other times. But that's the theory in government spending right. is that, it does have economic Mm -hmm. growth that if it's spent in the right places. Right. Whereas right now we're spending a lot, 15% on interest on the debt. We're spending about 16% on defense spending. It's which also like obviously liberals will criticize defense spending as too high, but it also causes the production of military parts. And so that causes economic growth in its own way. Mm -hmm. So, it's just about the balance and efficiency because
1: the argument against the defense budget is that it might not necessarily be used in the most efficient way most of the time because lobbying is a very large factor so if we take it in a vacuum it is a very you know spending in military and defense is very important but
0: right and if right and large companies might be getting their hands on that money and maybe not spending it and it sits in rich people's pockets which doesn't have that Higher right. marginal propensity to consume and doesn't increase the velocity of every dollar right. and gets stimulates economic growth. So, yeah. So it's not just government spending in general; it's mm-hmm. where the government spends its money and mm-hmm. how efficiently it is. And so I think it is about efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, so now turning the topic to recessions, do you think uh, a recession is likely to happen in the near future? And what can we do to prepare for that will it be as bad as 2008 or will it be just a cyclical occurrence and like what if we're not quickly growing right now what steps are we going to be able to take to mm-hmm. safeguard ourselves against that right. recession
1: okay um so in terms of is there an ex another recession supposedly coming soon as we know recessions tend to be very cyclical um, the severity of these recessions not so much not so much some are definitely Worse than others
0: because uh, well the and the anxiety sorry to cut you off is fun. that it's the We're in the longest streak in modern history between recessions right now right. We're in the longest streak of job creation, right? Which so not many people will tell you that but it's true. So people sometimes are even even if we're not seeing slowdowns in growth or, you know, we're still growing. People are, the unemployment rate is falling. People are still worried that the cycle will come back, that we're going to hit a recession soon. Right. So it, do you think that's likely to happen or are we going to have another couple of years of growth? Because why, why the cycle happens is because of this overheating mm-hmm. that... If an economy grows too quickly then inflation goes up very very quickly and then consumers quickly can't afford any Mm -hmm. goods anymore and they stop spending that demand falls and the economy falls into recession right so it kind of is like you go quickly up a slope and then you fall right back down that slope so extremely quick growth means extremely hard severe recessions so does that mean like if we're growing very moderately right now, will will there be this overheating at any time? And if there isn't, then will there not be a recession? Or if the recession does occur, will it just be a little one?
1: Right. Um, so it's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. But uh, first, many economists believe that we are going to see the next recession within the next three to four years. Um, some say as early as 2017. Mm-hmm. And uh, You know it's I me personally I don't think that the next recession will be as bad as 2008 uh, because 2008 had a lot going on for it but that being said I think that there are factors in the global economy that could that could cause a recession we I don't think that the United States would be the um, recipient of it unless certain scenarios for example um, with this current election depending on who gets elected as candidate I mean, who this gets elected president. as president? Wow. Um, that can have a very large effect on the uncertainty within the United States economic system. Because um, no
0: matter what you think or who you're voting for, Donald Trump is, by definition, a more uncertain candidate. Yeah,
1: it's, yes, he's. So, yeah, I didn't want to be dropping names, but he is a more uncertain candidate. Because he's just
0: he's just different. He's not the normal And condition. also
1: some of the things that he said, like one thing that he said was about um, he wants to restructure the way that we pay our debt, um, which is a very big problem because that creates uncertainty in our debt markets, which could hinder our ability to... Because people might not money. want
0: to take our government right, bonds exactly. because they think, well... If I he's the, president, will he not pay us back?
1: Right. That's exactly what it is. Right? And it was the
0: same issue with raising the debt ceiling years ago right. is that if the government's not going to raise the debt ceiling, that means they're going to default on our their mm-hmm. debt. No one wants to borrow anymore because even if we can't pay all our debt right now, people know they're getting our interest payments. We,
1: we are the U.S. bonds are the safest investment that anyone can make. Right. Still. Still mm-hmm. to this day. Um, even through the recession. Uh. You know all the problems that we've been having,
0: uh, and it, we saw we saw that uncertainty come in Brexit because right. uh, immediately after their credit rating fell,
1: their credit rating fell, and if there was, I remember I was watching CNBC at the time, and they had heat map sort of of every and it was every single stock in the S and P five hundred, and as soon as the opening bell hit, every like every stock went from green to red. In less than thirty seconds, the only things that did well that day were volatility
0: indexes, which track the volatility of markets. Um, so that short-term uncertainty might mean a short-term recession, right?
1: Which is, could
0: be a very big problem.
1: And we've seen other we've seen other hiccups in other countries. For example, China um, had some issues uh, about what was it, six months to a year ago, with uh, their stock markets. Um, but that you know, to an extent, like what could. If a recession were to occur in a place like China or India, um, how to what extent would it affect the U.S.? I think that's one of the things that we have to look at for the next recession. I, it it's not it might not be domestic. Uh, it might not be domestic. It might not even be a Western thing. It might be succumbing from
0: um,
1: from Asia. Nothing something.
0: that will be affected by the president or our economic policy.
1: It, uh, yeah, well, it depends. It depends, right. obviously, but I think that there you know the, it's those are the economies to focus on at the moment and. Um, you know we have to press our we have to prepare ourselves, um, you know as much as possible.
0: So that's yeah. So in a sense, there's that Donald Trump uncertainty that mm-hmm. could cause recession, no matter what side you're on. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe some people think that his tax cuts or his corporate rate cuts might cause growth as well. Policy aside, right? Policy aside, there's his just definitional uncertainty as who he is and the comments he's made on restructuring debt and we'll touch on trade in a future episode on what that would mean mm-hmm. for the economy but if we just continued the same exact course that we're on right now are we thinking that we're going to run into a recession eventually mm-hmm. right like yeah. good, like you we're going to either see there a little overheating and then that will cause mm-hmm. a little hiccup yeah. so but, but it's
1: not a question of if it's going to happen it's a question of when and how severe um so you know we have to be very the government and then um in large financial institutions within the country have to be very cognizant of and very aware of what other countries are doing and the state of their economies um because you know nobody even these large institutions they don't want to lose money nobody wants to be hurt in a recession so if you have large u.s financial institutions um, you know, keeping a lookout for the warning signs of a recession from, say, Asia or from Europe or even in the U.S., um, how well they're able to mitigate that, to mitigate any sort of losses. Um, I think that that's a huge factor in how severe the recession might be. Because right. As you remember from the 2008 recession, from you could even probably call it a depression, um, it was, you know, it, it was the large, the failure of the banks was a huge huge factor in you know the ultimate
0: severity of the situation at the time and then if government action is what caused the recession to last a certain length or not how much we spend as a government what the interest rates mm-hmm. are all this affects how the economy recovers and mm-hmm. how deep the recessions are and i think that's the overall lesson with the economy and economics is that it's such a large thing especially mm-hmm. now in the modern age since it's Global that there are unlimited amount of factors. Yeah, that we simply we can talk for an hour that we have been now or <laughs> at forever and right. absurdum That we'll never be able to prescribe for sure. What will right. happen? Uh, we think we have good theories, but anything can happen yeah. tomorrow
1: the economy uh, managing an economy is a very reactionary thing. It's very difficult to be proactive in a Situation that's so uncertain, and yeah, it's very important. You know, it's it's important that we don't just look at old models and the way that things used to be done. We have to look at uh, you know how our current situations are and what our current situation is, and you know what could possibly happen, and start thinking of new ways to innovate and you know create new ideas that um, will be better for a
0: future world than the ideas that we have now. Right. So. We don't know what will happen, but people love making money. And that's why overheating sometimes occurs. And that's why the faster we grow, the faster we fall. So hopefully right now, if there is a recession in the next few years, it is small. Mm -hmm. Um, But we'll just have to see. And hopefully the right economic policies put in place here and globally. But we just don't know what will occur. And the uncertainty of like we said, the uncertainty of consumers globally. The uncertainty of a certain person getting elected like we just don't know what will happen but uh, it's always good to analyze every single element and see what went wrong, how it contributes to what mm-hmm. and how we can save ourselves from falling too far into a future recession mm-hmm. so I thank you for coming by today, thank you for I, having me I think we discussed a lot of um, what has been happening in recent years and What we can see, hopefully, or maybe not hopefully, coming up in the future uh, and how the presidential election will affect some of that and how Mm -hmm. the rest of the world will affect our economy and if we're going to keep growing or not. Uh, So this discussion will always continue forever because there will always be new economic data to analyze and new theories. Uh, But I thank you for coming by today Mm -hmm. and hopefully we see you in future episodes. I hope I can be in future
1: episodes. This was a, a fun time, Tim. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening.